You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. We are now deep inside the bubble. We are bubble boys, much like our last episode said. I am so happy, Vardy, because things are like feeling normal on the hockey side. And it's totally distracting you from the fact that nothing is normal in the world yet. How are you this evening, my bubble friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm pleasantly optimistic things are going well i'm i'm watching games and so far i think they've done something like six thousand tests and somehow no one has gotten covid so pretty happy about that yeah although the times the start times on some of these games is really messing me up i hope my bosses aren't listening to this podcast right now but i am not focused at all (laughs) it's not my best work right now and i don't care how about that (laughs) It's going to get a lot easier or the times are going to be, get more normal-ish probably by next round. But yeah, right now it's pretty sweet. You could turn on the TV at any point in time and there's probably a, a meaningful hockey game on. Yeah, I'm telling you, just watching games while I'm on Zoom calls, it's just not good like for my productivity. But I love bagel. it. Yeah, I love it. First round, playing round, I should say. Got to yes. clarify. Playing round is over. Zero round. Zero round. Ground zero round is over. Um, amazing. That's all I have to say. A two 12th seed upsets on the fifth seed. We can kind of brush through it quickly. The big ones we want to talk about, obviously, are Pittsburgh defeating Montreal. Chicago. Way around. Yes, Montreal defeating Pittsburgh. Chicago. As much as I know you want it not yeah, to be the well, case. Shit. Chicago defeating Edmonton. Those are the two biggies. Um, the 12 fives. And of course, as is tradition, the Leafs' early exit from the playoffs. That's right. Not even in the first round this time. And it's interesting because those three, those three teams essentially go home when they had pretty much clinched an actual playoff spot. By that point, I'm not sure how close the Leafs were. I think Toronto was still borderline. They were still battling, but the other yeah. two were yes. pretty much locked in. Yes. And just like that, Crosby... McDavid and Matthews, three of the top five initial properties, probably in terms of marketing, yep. are gonzo because of the playing <laughs> round. So naturally, I'm going to say do it every year. <laughs> it's it's a little crazy. It's a little wild, but I think it adds a lot of fun to uh, to what has become a bit of a stagnant process, by and large. Um, I think it's exciting. I don't know if, I, again, I don't know if I necessarily want up to 12 teams, but I wouldn't mind seeing something like this for yeah, teams. Yeah, 7 to 10, man. Yeah, 7 to 10, I think, is, I think, is a nice sweet spot because those teams, because I feel like every year there's always like one team who is a point away from being in the playoffs anyway and, uh, you know, gets eliminated. I think even, even the, the Kings 2012 Cup year, right? Like they barely made it and into that eight spot and that's right it came down to the last game of the season i think that phoenix phoenix made it in and then we made it in and then someone got left out because we won or something like that i I vaguely remember like phoenix made it in and won the division it was like this weirdest thing they jumped all the way up to third because they won the division and they could have missed it was crazy last week i remember that Exactly. So I think when you look at it that way, especially now that there's only two divisions. And so that wildness of like a division leader jumping the third, not necessarily withstanding. 
I think you can have some very fun um, outcomes potentially that don't that don't necessarily lead to the, these kind of upsets where you have a team that was like a surefire lock for the playoffs suddenly not even being able to play an actual playoff round. Now, agreed. I, I do agree with the seven to ten thing, and we'll kind of talk about it in a second. But if you can't beat the twelfth seed in a five game series. At maybe home, maybe you don't maybe you don't go to the dance this year, boys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Pittsburgh, man, they completely no showed that series. They were checked out. Sidney Crosby was clearly frustrated, probably because he hasn't had a decent winger in 15 years. No offense to Chris Kunitz. <laughs> and Edmonton, at the end of the day, they are who we thought they were. The same team that has the best player in the world on their team. And one of the other maybe top five to ten players in the world, and a bunch of guys, and Mike Smith. Yeah. Their defense still atrocious. Their puck management awful, and they essentially tried to just out Connor McDavid and the other team, and they and they failed to do so. So again, if you can't beat the twelve seeded team, a team that you're clearly better than in terms of the regular season and and so many other metrics, then. Maybe you deserve to go home or stay home in Edmonton's case. Yeah, it's it's very strange. I mean, you do wonder about that team and you start getting into these like weird and tangible conversations of are they built for the playoffs or no. are they just regular season? <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like it, I always think back to the example of the of the Capitals, right? Like they year after year were. Or like a hundred point team, Ovechkin was popping fifty goals a season, but it wasn't until there was some weird shift, either in coaching or mentality or something like that, where they finally broke through and played maybe a different game and they won a cup. Like, is something like that capable? For for well, the difference also is, I don't think Edmonton's roster is constructed that of way. Like, not. it is it's so paper thin beyond the first line that I don't. It, and and the saddest part, truly the saddest part, was I think at the end of at the end of the play in round, um, both Connor McDavid and, and Drysidel were in the top ten of scoring amongst all the teams of twenty four teams. Two two of the top ten scores were on the Edmonton Oilers, and that team got eliminated. Uh, higher, dude. They were higher. They were in. I think they were like number one and two again. They might have been, but I remember. Sure, point stands. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it just goes to show you, and it's very sad because nothing could be better for the NHL than Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl playing playoff hockey. But I don't know what it's going to take for that to actually happen. I'll tell you what it's going to take. Apparently, Connor McDavid needs to stand up and be a rah rah leader, or whatever that clown writer said. I forget who it was, but it was just, I hate this narrative. It's such a hockey bullshit right. narrative. Like, you know, oh, yeah, the Steve Iserman moment. That's what they call, you know, yeah, he, didn't yeah, have, yeah, yeah, he yeah, hasn't yeah. had his Steve Iserman moment yet. Right. Okay, man. He's already, he's better than Steve Iserman ever was. You get a Hall of Fame defenseman on your team and a couple Hall of Fame wingers. And, and the greatest coach who ever lived. And, right. And money is not an object. And yeah. Or like the narrative that until Ovechkin committed himself to being a two-way... Alex Ovechkin is not a two-way player. Maybe he glides a little faster back in the zone. That's like, maybe he's been like, okay, coach, like, I won't do the, you know, controller 
disconnect the routine right. anymore and i'll actually like hustle back and i'll you know poke check a sh or you know get, get my stick in front of a shot or two might even block a shot but he is not a selkie candidate so everyone should chill no, 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 and I'm sorry if I came off that way. Like I was saying that Ovechkin turned into a Selkie candidate. I meant more so that they constructed the roster in a way that they they had an Ovechkin. They had a guy like Backstrom who can be a, a two-way center. They sure. had a guy like Lars Carlson who emerged into clearly like a number one D-man. And then you had Kuznetsov, you had Orlov. Like you had a bunch of guys who if, if tier one isn't clicking – tier two can bring it just as well you know what i mean and and there really is no tier two in edmonton there's tier one and then there's tier five or six or something that's right nugent hopkins was also in that top 10 there's they had three okay so they had scores. three in the that's, top 10 yes that makes sense yes. again can outscore your problems yeah this has been tried and true in the nhl which is ironic because you would think that a dave Tippett team would be somehow some way finding a defensive structure but it just you have to have the tools right to quote uh to quote larry robinson you can't make chicken sh chicken soup out of chicken shit he did say that he did it's a great line uh for the maple leafs i don't even know they they are an interesting case in that i don't think they're built poorly by any stretch of the imagination, I think they have a good amount of veterans, two-way players, pretty solid defensemen, a pretty solid goaltender. Up and down the lineup, you don't see too many holes there. This is just something going on. I don't even know. Is it is it mental? Is it, you know, Kyle Dubas, who's who built some of that team, but really his predecessor did. Is he a little too... I don't know, nonchalant with everything, just over-analytical. I don't know. Mike Babcock, they said was the problem. Turns out he probably was not, even though he's better off not being an NHL coach at the moment. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, first and foremost, I don't think you can, you can underestimate the value of losing Jake Muzzin in that series. I think that that hurt them pretty badly. Um, they also came across a hot goalie, like without question, Corpusella was playing outside of his mind. Um, so I don't know. And, and th there's been an interesting kind of like thought that's been floated around in some player interviews and some stuff on, on, you know, ESPN and, and whatnot about how the better teams, because of how the, there is no home arena, even though technically Toronto was playing in their home arena, but with the absence of fans, with the kind of piped in fan noise that there is no home team advantage. It's, it's essentially you're playing neutral ground. So the, the teams that are down don't necessarily feel that like fan surge kind of driving them to win, which, you know, I don't know if that would have made much of a difference in Toronto because I feel like all you, even though you're not, you're not hearing the fans cheering you on in Toronto, I feel like somehow, some way you always hear about the critics, <laughs> you know, like even after the games, I feel like those guys were just, were hearing about how terrible they were playing and how they couldn't beat Columbus. Yeah. And I think stuff like that wears on you, especially if you're stuck in a bubble yeah. and you know that all, the only thing you have to look forward to when you leave this bubble 
is more of this shit outside of the bubble, you know? And I that's, think that's, I, I think you're right. And I think there's another kind of media situation that I was unhappy with where a writer wrote on Twitter that like the Leafs were so unprofessional in the way they were answering their questions after their series clinching loss. And it's just, I just don't understand this toxic shit that's going on in the NHL about judging players for doing certain things or acting a certain way. Why do they have to give you a quote on your stupid ass question? Right. I have heard in my entire life watching press conferences or whatever media scrums, I can count on my one hand how many truly well thought out questions a media member has thrown at a player. It's always the same. Like, what happened on that goal? What do you think you got to do for next game? It's just, what did you guys? What did you see out there? It's so stupid. The other day they asked uh, Markstrom, the Canucks goalie, on the Braden Shen breakaway winner, "What did you see on that play?" And he's, you know, what he said. He said he got the puck, he shot it, it went in. That's all he said. Because it's the stupidest frigging question you could ask. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to get? Like, what are you trying right. to do? And then you, and then these. People have the audacity to be like, oh, how unprofessional of them to give one word answers because, you yeah. know, they can't be upset that they just had a very disappointing series loss in a season where it's another wasted season for them, really, with a team they have. Anyway, it just pisses me no, off. It's, it's a good – I think it's a very valid point. I think it's it's this kind of like unspoken dance between the media and the players. It's like we will continue to ask the same lazy kind of – questions from this like list of 15 questions and you will continue to answer those questions in the exact same boring way and we'll keep peddling that as content and anytime you stray from that that formula and sometimes truthfully it happens on either side people get offended you know what i mean like i i don't agree with it either i would love to hear some like truly thoughtful questions and i would also love to hear some truly thoughtful answers um I think back to, and and this happens in all sports, right? Like very famously, Marshawn Lynch, you know, would would just find a catchphrase and he would use that catchphrase to answer questions from week to week because he thought it was so ridiculous what they were doing. But then on the flip side of things, I've seen uh, Deshaun Watson has done a couple post-game conferences that I found just really intriguing, even as someone who obviously does not have the understanding of football, like to his level or to the level of people who play it. But I remember there was one particular one where a reporter asked him again, kind of one of those questions about like, what did you see on that play or, or what happened on that play? And he decided that like, he wasn't just going to give like a, a kind of cookie cutter answer. He straight asked the guy, he's like, do you know how a cover two works? And he's like, I don't mean that in an offensive way. I'm asking because I want to know, like, where's your baseline level of understanding? And so the guy was like, yeah, I know how it works. Okay. He's like, okay, so I'm going to run you through that play. And he just – he straight broke that play down. Like, he's here. He's over the top. He's doing this. And I sat there and I was like, wow. Right. Now, that is I, – I wish it was like that. And I realized that's not possible. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of commitment. And guys just sometimes just don't want to answer like that. But – it'd be refreshing to have some questions like that and answers like that, I think from either side. Yeah. I think both sides can be better, but I really, really would like to see media do better with these guys, because I think if you give them a thoughtful question, you are far more likely to get a thoughtful answer or at least catch them off guard and have them be like, wow, you know, like you put thought into this. Maybe I should take a second to give you an answer. That's not complete horse shit. 
like get right. pucks deep and all this nonsense that we make fun of on a day-to-day basis. Do you think that's a bit how the NHL again encourages their players to be? I mean, we've we've talked about this a lot that NHL players just by their personality are very like reserved most of the time. But it's like, like it, it's become a like it's become a song and dance at this point. Yeah. It's like oh yeah, no, it's everything so predictable and rehearsed. That I don't. I think the NHL does want them to be like professionals and just answer the question. But over the years, it's just become like this predictable song and dance between media and player, where you can almost telegraph what the question is going to be, and you know right. what the answer. Like at some point, you, these things just write themselves, right? Like, what's the point? Like, my thing is like, yes, the NHL wants their players to be professional, um, but the NHL isn't responsible for the media so much so they're at the mercy of the media to a certain degree so i what i'm saying is let's both sides be better and i've never heard a player at least not too much complain about oh i can't believe i have to do i have to ask these questions but the second a player doesn't want to answer your questions they're unprofessional they're a bad guy you know they're out of line with the game of hockey the honor of hockey and all this other crap and it, and it makes me mad and then we're going to get into the rask milberry thing in a second but right. it's all it's all like connected right I, and i was i was actually going to say like you know in that that's a that's a really good example because i think one of the questions that has been floated around and i think it's an obvious one is asking players kind of like how they're dealing with the bubble how's the team dealing with the bubble and you know okay it's good the first time and the second time you ask but like really you're just if you ask that every every post game conference or someone asks that every post game conference it's it's just stupid like expect a dumb answer you know to stupid questions but yeah no the rask you know for for those who don't know like tuka rask was kind of asked about being in the bubble and playing games in the bubble and and he compared them to playing exhibition games because you just it's not the same atmosphere it's not the same feeling of playoff hockey that he's used to um be it the fans the arena the process of coming to the rink and, you know, leaving the rink and, and just the atmosphere, I think that envelops a city that's, that's in a playoff run. That stuff is, is infectious to players. And it's, it's such a huge part of sports psychology. And so I think that was the point that Rask was trying to make was that it, this doesn't feel like a playoff run for these various reasons. And then, you know, he was already getting flamed for that, for lack of commitment or lack of like, the, the people automatically translated doesn't feel like a playoff game to Rask is not in this mentally. He's not in this. And then it comes out the next day. I think that he wanted to leave the bubble because uh, his wife had just had a kid. And so, and then starts another full round of flaming the guy for wanting to leave the bubble when his pregnant wife has a child including such luminaries as Mike Milbury saying that he wouldn't do that. And it's, you know, it dishonors the team in some way. And, you know, playing this like weird card, which is Mike Milbury's, you know, talent is to always find a way to stick his foot in his mouth. Um, And then it comes out again more recently that not only did, did his wife have a kid, but that one of his kids is actually sick or ill in some way that, so, yeah, I mean, that's a lot for someone to think about when you're trapped in a bubble. I can completely understand if hockey is not the priority in that setting. So I just think that 
some of this stuff just gets twisted so out of the wind and and as well as this is going i think people are forgetting that they're still in the middle of being trapped in a bubble for two months time being asked to play hockey man i'm not look i'm gonna i don't want to bury mike milbury right now but i'm gonna grab a shovel and see how far i can go on this guy why is he on television that's that's an excellent question what has this man accomplished ever he was a mediocre player he was a terrible coach he was an awful gm and he is a horrible broadcaster explain to me why this guy continues to get television work continues to get airtime. his claim to fame is he beat a fan with a friggin loafer okay that's what it says on his resume and he's on tv you know what, man? There's so many good personalities in hockey. Chris Versteeg is sitting on his sofa giving you gold content on Instagram on a day-to-day basis right now. And you got I this agree. blowhard clown who, along with his other blowhard clown buddy, Jack Edwards, both getting paid on a yearly basis to analyze a game that has passed them by for over two decades. It blows my mind. But both of those guys also represent... A particular clientele, I think, that's still, and and it's going to sound like I'm I'm ripping on Boston in general, but like I can't help the fact that Mike Milbury, Jack Edwards, and Don Cherry all have very strong Boston ties. But there's there's this certain personality, if you will, who watches hockey and enjoys hockey specifically for guys like that. And, and I would say it's the controversy, except for the fact that I don't think that they consider these guys' opinions controversial. It's not controversial think, and we're just in poor taste. It's just I, ugly stuff. I 100% agree. But to me and you, it's ugly. What I'm saying is that there's actually a percentage of people who watch this stuff and they go, yeah, Mike gets it. You know, <laughs> Go Milbury. <laughs> I don't know. I'm serious. I'm serious. There's, there has to be. There has to be because there's no other explanation as to why you would keep bringing guys like this back. And I think they do it over and over and over again until you have like a Jeremy Roenick situation where he says something so ridiculous and so offensive that you just can't bring him back. And then you you start throwing out apologies for them. And it's going to happen eventually. It's going to happen eventually with Milbury. It happened with Don Cherry. It happened with Ronick. It's a matter of time. But until then, I'm telling you, there's a subculture within hockey, within the U.S. and Canada, that enjoys guys like this because they agree with them. Uh, and then this other loser, Jack Edwards, okay, after an awful injury, to Andrei Sveshnikov. Did not look good, man. It did not yeah, look good. He takes his talents to Twitter and he says some crap about how you don't poke the bear on Chara because Sveshnikov was riding him like some kind of hobby horse or some crap like that. Hilariously, in this unfortunate thing, it wasn't even Sveshnikov. It was Sebastian Aho on top of Chara. Right. Um, so They're even, all the same for Jack Edwards, all right? And but What's that? They're all the same to Jack Edwards, right? Oh, yeah, just some European hockey player. player. Yeah, yeah, visor-wearing pukes, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Don Cherry would be proud. Um, But, yeah, he gets the guy wrong. He undermines the injury. He justifies the injury because you poked the bear, Zdeno Chara, who's probably one of the most gentle giants off the ice. He probably feels horrible about it. But yellow-toothed Jack Edwards can't help himself, and he says this crap, and then he doesn't even back off of it. 
He, he's, he doesn't back off of it. And he's, again, man, it just, it's in very poor taste. And I've never been a fan of either of those analysts or whatever you want to call it. But now, officially, it's time to just get rid of him. You, the Bruins will survive without Jack Edwards. Certainly hockey will survive without Mike Milbury, um, who has done nothing but hurt the game in his entire career. Yeah, I, you're you're not going to get any disagreement from me, man. I've never heard one thing out of either person's mouth that has maybe been like, this is meaningful hockey insight. I, I really am glad I heard this information. It just doesn't happen. I generally just tune it out anytime it's Milbury's spot. In fact, you, you can almost tell just how much Keith Jones hates him whenever they're on the studio. Like <laughs> You, you kind of can. You really can, man. You really can. Like, I, I just... <sighs> Every every second I watch Jones, I'm like, he, he wants to punch him. He's going to punch him right now. So, but Christopher Stieg, Chris that's Versteeg. a man. Now, see, this is this is what we need. Obviously, um, if you follow him on Instagram, folks, and you watch his stories, which I highly recommend, um, the Christopher Stieg that would be in the NBC studio would be a little toned down, you know, maybe a little less on the F-bombs, um, but the same kind of warm <laughs> character that's what that's what hockey needs right now hockey, i kind of want him not to come off his couch i want nbc sports to just go to christopher well. steve on his couch might as well uh so he's been doing uh he's been rating nhl swag nhl drip as in players <laughs> who have been rolling into arenas what they're wearing what they're styling uh his stories if you follow is is a lot of that stuff kind of giving them an out of 10 grade on what they're wearing. And it's wonderful. And it's funny. Right. Um, one of my favorite the ones, I he think. He knows a lot of these guys. Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly. he was picking on Chicago. More than anyone. Yeah, <laughs> more than anyone. I think he's, he's <laughs> one of my favorites was uh, Dylan Stroh making sure the <laughs> LinkedIn picture is fire. <laughs> Which is wonderful. Uh, he had one of Taves. Taves was running in a suit. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> Captain Johnny walking in like he's about to lift the 2016 cup. And it's great because that kind of stuff is stuff we've always talked about on this podcast is that stuff we care about. I know a lot of people probably don't, but we do. It is like what players are allowed to wear, how they roll into the arena. Are they allowed to express themselves through the majesty of clothing and shoes? <laughs> And uh, one team in particular, Vardy, really did do that. And it's, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. If for nothing else, I'm upset they're eliminated because of that. Yeah. Because they were I, rolling in with fire on their feet, <laughs> on their bodies, all across the board. Particularly Austin Matthews, who, yeah. as you guys have may, may have heard, we are fans of the sneaker world, the sneaker game. And uh, he rolled in one day wearing some... Air Jordan 3s, uh, I think he was wearing the Air Max Witherspoons on some other wonderful occasion. William Nylander was wearing the purple metallic Jordan 4s. I don't know if you saw that, Vardy. It was nice. I missed that one. I saw them I saw them both walking in with Dior high tops. Not the not the Jordan Dior's, but the Dior high tops on different right. occasions. Definitely saw uh, Matthews with the AM 97 Witherspoons. And just everything else. It was just like this, it was just this overall look of like, this is how I dress when when I go when I leave the house. So this is how I'm going to dress when I come to work. And uh, I love that. Matthews was wearing the Dior Jordan shirt. 
by the way. Oh. <laughs> it had the wings on the right, up, right on top of the pocket. And that same day, he was wearing that bucket hat with the zebra print. Just awesome. Just, I love it. Just personality coming out. And and I love that Versteeg gets it. I love that Versteeg as an ex-NHL player is saying the stuff that you and I have been begging for. Just let these guys be and let them be marketable. Yeah, it's great, man. There's this uh, Twitter account, Justition, that actually took Matthews' outfit from that game and priced it out. Uh, so the Dior and Sean bucket hat was like 490 The Dior Jordan Polo was 950 The Walther Spoons were 1600 And the total is like three grand. <laughs> He's just walking into the <laughs> with three Gs on his body. That's, That's right. I love that stuff, I'm just man. Gonna, I'm just going to wear these all sweaty afterwards because I can't shower in the bubble. That's <laughs> Gotta right. Got to wait to get to the hotel room. That's right. So uh, moral of the story, let's hire Chris Versteeg. Let's fire Mark, Mike Milbury. Um, I guess we have no control over Jack Edwards, but that I'm going to let nature take its course on that one. And it goes beyond this too. Cause I mean, Versteeg is actually beyond the drip analysis. He's actually doing some pretty decent hockey analysis too, from his couch. Like he'll be sitting there and he'll break down. He'll actually like pause the game and turn the camera around and be like, look how they're entering. Look what they're doing. This is so stupid. <laughs> I love that. I just love that, that honesty from him, you know, cause I feel like, again, as an NHL player, you're tight-lipped. You're asked to be tight-lipped. You're, you're expected not to say anything. And now he's gone, and you can clearly tell that this is how these guys talk to one another. They talk about this about other teams. Yeah. I, just, I love to hear that true insight. I love to hear someone just straight up saying, this team's not good enough, and they keep playing bad hockey. That's why they're not winning. Look what they're doing here. Here's an example of them playing bad hockey. They suck. They're never going to win unless they stop doing this. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's fantastic stuff. Um, at Stigalicious is what we're looking yes. for, folks, if you want to follow Christopher Stieg. That's right. I highly recommend you have, you have it. You to ask his permission. He's not a public account. Which is fantastic. That makes it even better. I know. I had, to, I had to sweat it out for a day or two before he accepted my invite. Yeah, he got me right away. So, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, anyway um, – we're still talking – we were talking about the uh, uh, play-in round. Um, to, to just put a cherry on top of that, would love to see 7 versus 10, 8 versus 9 play-in right for those final few spots. Maybe do a best of three because one thing that concerns me is the statistical kind of the asterisk on the stats. If someone rolls in and breaks some playoff record they and they got to play five extra games. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If they max out the whole playoffs. That kind of worries me. A solution to that would probably be the play-in and the seeding games. Just Don't make count. them regular season stats. Right. Shorten the regular season by a few games and make those just an addition to the regular season. I think that's fine, yeah. too. Yeah. It probably evens out at the end of the day. that Olvi would have gone 50 goals, at least. Right. And he ended it with 48. I think it's like he would have been nine times and he missed it. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm open to it. I would love to get a deeper discussion going in the league obviously right. see if they would do that because it's very entertaining to me but again it comes down to like how much does the nhl look at this as a unique experiment and a, a kind of a god-given experiment and you look at it and you go okay is there anything from this that we can learn is there anything from this that we can take there's plenty but they won't 
and it's the same thing. It's the same stuff, right? Like they've tried one different camera angle this entire time that I've watched. Like yeah. there's just so much, so many missed opportunities with all this. Um, I do love those humorous uh, in-game Videotron announcements, though. I, I think that's pretty cool on the Jumbotron. Kudos to them. Right. That's pretty original. Right. Uh, I, I like that, those. That's clearly not something that was approved from on high. I think that was something that someone did, and they're like, all right, we'll allow it. Yeah, you know? everyone do it now. Yeah. Like, probably like Toronto did it first, and Edmonton's like, all right, we're going to do it too. So one more th- – well, actually, let's talk about the – I guess I was going to say one more thing we should talk about about the end of the play-in round was the uh, important thing that happened – as a result of the play-in round being the, sure. the final draft lottery spot. Sure. And as comical as the actual TV program was, including Gary Bettman having <laughs> confirmed that he knew the logos <laughs> of each team. I mean, I swear to God. I didn't watch it. and You, uh, you were fortunate, sir. <laughs> but you, you were giving me kind of the play-by-play. I was, I was dying. And I knew that... <laughs> In my heart of hearts, I, I knew that that's exactly what was going to happen. They were going to find a way to turn something that's a 30-second event into a 20-minute, you know, snooze fest. But never in my life did I think that I would have to watch Gary Bettman confirm NHL team logos on ping pong balls. <laughs> you know, I think every episode from now, we've been doing this anyway, we're going to take 10, 15 minutes every episode to just bash the NHL for some of the dumb shit they do on a regular really basis. Do. Um, and this is no different, obviously. Uh, but the Rangers, already. New York Rangers will get the number one overall pick. Um, and I, in a way, I'm okay with it because yeah. technically, technically, they were not a play. I, they were not supposed to be in the playoffs. Right. So I I feel more okay with that than an Edmonton or Toronto number one overall pick. Totally. I think agreed the only other team that would have made me happy was pittsburgh obviously but just because they need a crosby needs a winger before he retires or just falls over and calls it a career i don't know um i would have been happy with that i am you know my mistress team or my girlfriend team whatever you want to call it is is the penguins uh so that's that but yeah i'm cool with the rangers man those two pipelines those two being the rangers and the kings looking pretty good pretty 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 good can't uh can't wait to clash again in the Stanley Cup final. You feel like it's inevitable, don't you? Like it, it, if everything everything goes the way it's supposed to, and obviously draft development, prospect development is so such a tough thing to predict. But they've been they've both got some pretty solid <laughs> team. Right? They've got them in spades, man. Yeah. Um, of course, it never pans out the way you imagine. How many prospect pools have actually panned out the Stanley Cup championship teams? You could probably count for the last 20 years like on your hand yeah i mean true but i think at the very least like now with them having the one and two picks there's an extra narrative there for whenever they play against one another which is always which is always nice yeah um so there you go that's that Uh, let's move on to the first round of the actual first round of the stanley cup playoffs man i'll tell you this the east is very entertaining. These has been more back and forth, more unpredictable. But the West, man, I'm seeing three series. I've watched. I've had the pleasure of watching a lot of hockey because, like I said, I haven't been doing any work during the daytime. 
Vegas, Chicago, Colorado, Arizona, and even the controversial Dallas and Calgary, to me, have been very one-sided series so far. Obviously, the Golden Knights have been just pounding the Blackhawks. And now that series is over. Now that series is over. The only game the Blackhawks won, Corey Crawford basically stood on his head, jumped in a time machine, reverted to his 20-whatever self, 15. (laughs) Yeah, 14, 15. Well, no, we had him. So let's say 13. 15, 13, sure. Um, Stood on his head. No business that the Blackhawks have being close in any of those games. I'm sorry. Avalanche Coyotes, same thing. It's just complete domination. The one game Arizona won, Darcy Kemper put on some kind of show, a straight-up steal. He stole that game. Um, Colorado routinely out-shooting them, out-chancing them, out-possessing them. It's a completely one-sided series. Dallas-Calgary, more interesting in that the Flames punch back a lot, but Dallas has the puck the whole freaking game. Mm. The last three games, the Stars have had the puck the whole game. They make one mistake. You know, Calgary comes down and scores some random goal. Reader gets a shorty or something. And and they've, and they've won a couple of games. But, man, Dallas looks good. They look hungry. They're having some I, trouble. My preseason pick. My preseason yeah. dark horse. Like, they're having some problems. Like, Anton Kudobin is their goalie right now. That should make everyone nervous. Yeah, he's right. not a bad goalie. But when Ben Bishop is on, I think we all know who the better goaltender there is. But Bishop's hurt, right? Or there was something. He's hurt. Yes, he's also wasn't playing that well going into the actual series. So, yeah, but he's also injured. And equally, the Flames going with Cam Talbot, which look, man, I know Riddick, Riddick, whatever, hasn't had a great season, especially compared to his last one. But man, it's just a tough, I mean, tough spot for Calgary. They're not a good team, dude. They're not a good team. It's just such a weird time for these teams, right? Because you, you're coming into these series with almost zero momentum. And so you you have to ride the hot hand. So as a goalie, I think you only get – I mean, look at St. Louis. You know, Jordan Bennington was having some horrific games. And now we got Jake Allen and, you know, and, and they lost again tonight. So Vancouver's up 3-2 in that series. But – it's. I think you just have such a limited window to perform before you got to get out out of the bubble, and so yeah. Uh, and it's weird. You're right. It's absolutely weird because it, it, a lot of things don't make sense. Even though you mentioned this to me, and you're right. It's like the teams that are good are finally remembering that they're good. Yeah. St. Louis was included in that until they lost today. <laughs> so, I mean, it's. But like 80% of them are, yeah, you know what I mean? Right, like right. the Avalanche curb stomped. Um, I can't remember. Was it Chicago? I forget. No, Arizona. Arizona. The other they curb stomped yeah. them. Vegas just annihilated the Blackhawks. Like Boston just woke up one day and they're like, oh, yeah. You know, and Boston did it. And, um, and then the same thing with Tampa. I mean – you know these these series are all ending four one four one with a better team winning, and again I go back to the idea like these are these games are being played in neutral ground. On a neutral ground, the better team should be winning these games, and by and large, it seems like that's what's happening. Still going on in the East: Capitals, Islanders, Flyers, Canadians, um, man, Washington. I know they pulled one out, but they look. They look like they want to go home. 
They look like they're checked out. Like, the team I was most concerned about when they were down 2 nothing or whatever, because I, I the discussion was like St. Louis and Washington, the last two cup champions, who's in trouble. Like, you could see St. Louis fighting. Washington was just not interested at all. You know, they win one, but I think it's over. Mm. I think it's over. I think I'll probably... I'll probably play the Islanders tomorrow by the time you're listening. Uh, and by play, I mean just pick in my mind, guys. Right. There's nothing else going on here. Don't be crazy. Right. If you follow my Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter, those are just These imaginary, imaginary numbers. fun picks That's that right. I make. Uh, but yeah, I think, <laughs> but I think the Islanders close it out, man. They look good. And I, it's amazing to me that this team, I count them out every season. Every season I talk shit about the Islanders and every season they just, I don't know. They slay giants. What can I say? I need Philly to put Montreal away. I am. I've had enough of the Montreal Canadians narrative. I really have. Uh, bro, That's been, that's been my slogan since 93. Enough (laughs) of the Canadians. Come on. This is a team that was 31, 40 and nine. They're so going into the, they're, they're not a you good know, team. They're just very annoying. Like, you know who that team is? Brendan Gallagher. Like, Ugh. if you could put that face on the friggin' crest, that's who that team is. Just annoying, doesn't go away. And it also helps that Carey Price is, like, remembering that he's good after right. years of just being mediocre. He's on friggin' fire. And that's, again, I think that having a long layoff like this, this is the type of situation where it helps, right? Like... If you're a team like the Canadians, you're 31, 40, and 9, okay, going into the last quarter of the season, in a normal season, you know it's done. You know you're not making the playoffs. You know that, like, you're just going to coast through and it's another season that's lost in Carey Price's 36-year-old knees or whatever they are. But then all of a sudden, you're given the slightest glimmer of hope and you're given two months for Carey Price to get nice and limber and I get it. It's cute. It's a nice story. It's whatever. Go away. Just just stop. Let Philly be the team that should be winning because that was the team that was coming in hot and the pandemic slowed all that down. They are a good team. They have been playing like a good team all season. You do not deserve to be stopping their momentum. Okay. It should be Philly versus, is it, I think it'd be Philly, Boston. Does it does it reseed? I I'm, I I don't know I if it reseeded. Don't remember. I think it reseeded after the after the playing round. It did, right. but I don't think it. Uh, maybe it does. I don't know. I'm not but sure. either way, it's either Philly, Boston, or it's Philly, Tampa next round. Right. Okay. Right. That's a series we want to see. That's a series that that should be happening. Oh no! If it reseeds, it's going to be Philly and Islanders. Even better. I because mean, Islanders are, all... are the lowest seed still playing. If Because that's how it works. Flyers are number one right now based on their uh, round-robin uh, play. Right. They that's reseeded right. to right. the that's first. Right. So right. they would okay. play if it recedes. Again, unless the brackets are set and we're going the win, it would be Flyers and Lightning if it goes the brackets are in a traditional way. My point is that if Montreal moves on to the next round, I feel like you're just waiting for them to get blown out right. by another team. Right. Like it's it's the same story as Chicago and Arizona. You did great, kid. 
you, you won a round, you slayed a giant, like you're not going to do this for four rounds. Let's not kid ourselves here. Okay. Right. And let the better teams play it out on neutral ground. And let's really see who the best team is. Not just the team who eked in and got lucky. Yeah. Uh, I can confirm that there, it will recede because it was not the traditional division wild card okay. bracket. So they will recede. So if Flyers advance, which they, I think they will, they'll get the Islanders and it will be Tampa and Boston playing. That's great, right? That's great Final Four. I mean, right? Like, yeah. You throw Montreal in there and it just sullies the whole thing. <laughs> I can't agree more, Vardy. You know that I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, in the West, it, it's still up for it's still very much uh, up for grabs to see who's playing who next round because only two teams have advanced and the other two series are kind of in deadlock kind of Whoa. situations where it's not uh, one clear favorite. But if it is Dallas and St. Louis, then one, two, three, and four are going in from the West, mm -hmm. and that's pretty sweet. I'll tell you well, that. Vancouver, that means Vancouver's up one on St. Sorry, Louis. Sorry, right. I meant sorry, right. I thought St. Louis was up one. Uh, so it'll be one, two, three, and five. So yeah. one would play five. That's Vegas and Vancouver. I know it's going to happen there. And then Colorado, Dallas. That man, I would love to watch that series, dude. I I would I would watch both of those series. Yeah, I like yeah. watching Vancouver play. Right. Vancouver's a fun team. They are suddenly fast and fun. Yeah. I think if you put Vegas against St. Louis, they'll they'll eat them up alive. Like St. Louis just looks like they're half dead right they look now. Slow. They look real, real slow. Vegas um, looks terrifying. Vegas they, looks like. Granted, they were playing Chicago. Sure, but, but even before. man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were coming in waves, like terrifying. Yeah. At Chicago. So can I ask you? Uh, I'm going to ask you a question here. Up to this point, who would be your Conn Smythe winner? And obviously all this is, you know, it always comes down to who's in the finals. But up to this yeah. point, who would you say is your bubble MVP? I got to think for a second. Um, Carter Hart has – I'm going to go through like each one and kind of pick a player. Mm -hmm. Carter Hart's been playing well, but there's been a couple of – couple of off games he's had he was not good in this last one he was not good in that five nothing shellacking price mm -hmm. has been outstanding but again he's had some soft moments too um i'll tell you bo horvat has been really good good choice in the first few games although he's tailed off a bit in the last few as well john klingberg has been freaking on fire i think he has two game winners in that series um, Nathan McKinnon, all world. What can I say? He dominates the game. Nothing. Vegas, I don't think has one standout player per se. I think they're doing it by committee. Although you could say maybe. I mean, I don't know. Laner has has Laner had to do a whole lot. Probably he's, not. I mean, he. You know, Flurry had to shut out in there. Yeah. Laner came in and he had a couple of soft games too. I agree, though. I mean, like, really, Mark Stone, Alex Tuck, like these yeah, guys are all. They're all playing well. Which is the scariest part, really. Right. It's just... So, Braden Point. That's a great think, one, too, yeah. You know, two game winners now and the series clincher tonight. Yeah, I was thinking about Tampa. Vasilevsky's been great, but... 
Brandon right. Point's a great choice, yeah. And then uh, Nazem Kadri, oh, I think, good. needs to be considered. As, as terrific as Nathan McKinnon has been. <laughs> he, the numbers on Kadri, you can't deny, right? Like he's, he's got six goals. I know, he's got, I know. It's crazy. Even though some of the highlights, <laughs> that tweet you was hilarious. Like, I McKinnon, mean, McKinnon, 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 Kadri <laughs> scores. Like, it's so yeah. true. That's 100% <laughs> what it was. But the point is that, like, you look at a guy who's playing on Toronto, a probably equally talented team with Matthews and – um, I think he was gone by the time they had they got Tavares, right? Or was he there? No, he was, there. he was there. He was there. Yeah. Okay, so Tavares, Matthews, um, Marner, all on this team. And Kadri was consistently the whipping boy. Right. Somehow, right? Like somehow always doing something dumb, elbowing someone in the face when he shouldn't be. So he shows up to Colorado now. And yeah, he's he's playing cleanup for Nathan McKinnon, but dude, six goals is still six goals, and like, Hell yeah, it's you're scoring them when they matter. Absolutely. So it's those are my thoughts. Like those are no, I agree with you on Carter Hart. I think like he's just it's a great great goalie for them right now, and it's amazing that the Flyers actually have a franchise goalie now after suffering for so long <laughs> without one. Um, yeah, those are those are the guys to watch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, can't think of anyone on the Islanders. I mean, Barzilla obviously is going to be he's going to be him. Um, Varlamov actually has been doing really well. Yeah, great job. But yeah, to me, if I had to narrow it down, not, not just to go off my own picks, uh, Klingberg and Horvat are the ones that jump out to me. Yeah, but uh, great <laughs> great calls on those on your guys too. Yeah. So some see, there's still some star power. There might not be any uh, any Connor McDavid or you know Drysaddle, but or Sid for that matter. Well, the, the beauty of the playoffs is like stars can be made. Yeah, in these exactly. tournaments. So that's you know all that stuff. This this is the stage you want to do it on, even though it's like the weirdest stage ever right now for these guys. <laughs> but you know, Bo Horvat more like a stage than it typically does for that. Yeah, <laughs> for man. That listen, matter. a guy like Bo Horvat, you don't hear his name a lot. Before this, right? Like you hear it, good player. There was even talk like, is he going to be the guy they thought he would be? He comes out in this in this playoffs and he's just like leading the way for them, scoring big goals, game winners, and now that's a name. Flashy goals too, like beauties. Two goals he scored that were absolutely insane, bonkers goals. So he's on the map now. You know, yeah, that's it. He. no matter what happens from here on out, several more people will know the name Bo Horvat. Yeah, which which I will say, I think this is one the one thing that they've kind of the NHL has looked into or been forced into because of kind of like the twelve straight hours of hockey that they have to show every single day. You get to see multiple players from multiple teams that you wouldn't otherwise be able to. Right. Like in a normal playoff seating situation, like you'd have to kind of pick and choose. There's some games that are overlapping some at a certain time. If you have the capability, you can just sit down and and watch Bo Horvat and then watch Sebastian Ajo. Obviously not anymore. He's out of the playoffs. But, you know, these guys that you wouldn't otherwise watch, you get to see them play and be like, man, some some guys worth watching here. I was going to ask you, Vardy, um, as hot as the Kings were. At the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Would I want them in the playoffs? 
how do you think they would fare in that play-in and then rolling into the playoffs? Because when you go twenty, when you go twelve teams, all that really comes down to all that matters is how hot you are, right? Yeah. In many ways, like how hot are you at that time? Because if the Kings roll in at twelve, man, I don't. I think, I think they, if they play the Oilers, they right, win. They play the Oilers. Let's say they're in instead of Chicago. Yeah. Oh, they they'd win. Do you think they beat the Oilers? Hundred percent, they'd win. I think so too, because just in win. the groove they were in. Well, not and beyond that, it's again, it comes down to who the Oilers are and who the Kings are. I think you put the Kings in a playoff series with the guys who have won in a playoff series. There's there's no question in my mind that those guys pull it out. I think with, with Mike Brown, Smith, Kopitar, yeah, yeah, bro, with Brown, Kopitar. Dowdy and Quick at the helm. Everyone and and how the younger guys are actually chipping in, no question in my mind they beat Edmonton. You take the Kings in that series. Yeah, I mean they they probably have to win like six five a few games or something crazy like that. But come on, they're playing as Mike Smith, man. Uh, how do you think they would do against Vegas after they advance? Well, they would get annihilated. <laughs> Four nothing. Yeah, easily. But the same. The end, the end result would be the same. Which is yeah. why I'm glad that it didn't happen. This is a more useful long-term thing for them by far. Sure. But if you want to ask me straight up, would they have won in that play-in round? Yes. Okay. That's why I, I want I, this tournament, man, because that's why I wanted to continue. Because not because I expect the Kings to be bad forever. Obviously, there's, you know, moving forward, I expect them to be a lot better. But, man, you just got to be hot. You just got to be hot, man. And that's... It opens up this NCAA vibe, which I love. I love hearing, yeah. like, the 12th seed upset the 5th seed. Yeah. You know, it's just great to hear that. It is. But even then, if you look at the NCAA tournament, it typically is, like, a 1 or 2 seed that wins the championship at the end. Sure. That's okay. It's, yeah. That's okay. I'm you, talking about just seeing like some a, upsets, you yeah. know, just having makes a Cinderella makes story here and there. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm talking about. And that's, you know, exactly what I think about Montreal. Good for you. You made it a little fun. Go away now. Go home. <laughs> oh, Let man. the real teams play. Uh, speaking of the Kings, we do have this is a Kings podcast. That's true. I mean, there there is some Kings related things to talk about. Yes, uh, mainly the Kings have a new minor league coach for the Ontario Reign, John Roblevsky. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm still learning. Give me a break. The new you coach of the Ontario, <laughs> the new coach of the Ontario Reign, coach of the U.S. National Developmental Program for quite some time, young guy under forty years old, uh, being given the reins, no pun intended, or maybe hey. pun intended, to, uh, <laughs> to develop uh, one of the top pipelines in the NHL. Obviously, pretty exciting. Um, he coached the Hughes brothers, Alex Turcott, uh, some notable first-round picks out of the U.S. developmental program. Pretty exciting, is it not, Vardy? Yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a good hire. And, and, you know, there was a lot of question initially when the Kings just kind of unceremoniously decided not to bring back Mike Southers, who had been a traditionally a really good coach for Ontario. He developed a lot of our players. But I think um, there's, again, there's a long-term goal here with this hire, I believe. You're bringing in a younger guy who's got experience working with uh, – prospects including some of the king's prospects um and more and more teams are drafting players from the u.s national team um more and more teams are signing college free agents who are roommates or play with guys from the national development team 
you know, so I think, I think this is again, a move that you make for the pipeline, for the future of the team, for not just development, but also I think for recruiting, because you can bring in, you know, free agents and say, Hey, why don't you talk to Alex Turcott, who you may know from college or friends of friends or whatever they are. He was coached by this guy. And so I think there's, it's all about building that chain in a way. I think, you know, as much as, um, as much, it's not the, quite the same as like college football recruiting or anything like that, but I think there's an element to that now with signing college free agents. And I think knowing that they're going to get signed and are probably going to play in the AHL for a little bit, given how stacked the Kings pipeline is right now, I think it's important to know that the coach that they're going to be playing for is someone who's used to developing players who make it to the NHL. Absolutely. And it's wonderful to see that the Kings are kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to this college recruiting system they've put in place. Obviously they've made a hard run at college free agents. It is now evident that moving forward, it's going to be a staple of their program. Um, and I can't think of maybe outside of the original six U.S. teams, a more attractive destination right now for a college free agent than Los Angeles, just simply because of these pieces they've put in place and continue to put in place. So, uh, yeah, man, that's super exciting. I don't know much, obviously, about our, our new coach here, but to, to have a situation where you have a young coach and you could grow a young team with him and has that young voice, that new attitude – the, I guess, you know, we're talking about the game passing certain guys by, he, he, not him. He, he's very much at the forefront of the, this new NHL moving forward, the new game of hockey, the speed game. And it's, I love it. I absolutely love yeah. it. And I, I can't find anything to complain about for one. So that's cool. <laughs> and I think, again, not to, not to think too far down the line, but in the event that, Things don't work out with McClellan, you know, three, four, five years, whatever it may be. Eventually, all coaches kind of wear out their welcome. I think this is a really smart hire to bring someone like this into the coaching pipeline in a lot of ways, too, because it opens up the opportunity to have him move up at some point, maybe even if not as a head coach, maybe as like an associate coach. And you know what I mean? Like, I think you have to look at it that way too. Like the same way that they did with Marco Sturm, you took someone who was a prime coaching candidate, someone who had shown his ability on the international stage, rather than let someone else have him, you bring him in, you bring him into the fold, you develop him just like you would any other prospect so that no one else can have him. And if it works out great, and if it doesn't, then it doesn't you know, nothing's lost here. I agree, and he, this guy has future initial coach written all over him anyway. So, whether it's here or somewhere else, I, I think he's he's destined to be a bench boss in the, in the big league. So, yeah, it'd be great if he's kind of married to the Kings for a while, and yeah. when you know it's next man up that he get his opportunity, and by that time his kids will be on the pro roster. So, exactly, very interesting, very exactly. interesting. Do we want to talk about any Kings? Weird news. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is one other bit of King's news that I don't even know, but I guess we'll, we can talk about it because it's so fitting of this whole <laughs> year and just the garbage that's gone on. The mascot Bailey is in hot water 
I never thought I'd say that, but here <laughs> we are. The man inside the lion. Yes, listeners, there's a man in the lion costume. Was accused of sexual assault, I believe, a week ago. And if you're wondering why I'm weirded out just talking about it, because it's weird. It's a weird thing to talk about. But it is reality, unfortunately. It is happening. Um, I don't know. Maybe you know more about what the repercussions were there, Vardy. But last I heard, the Kings were looking into it. And, um, yeah. yeah I, I would imagine the repercussions are going to be pretty pretty clear. Uh, right. Of course. I just don't know like, if it's happened. Is, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it happening quite yet. Okay. Um I do know that this is at least the second incident that has become public. Correct. I remember there being something similar to this a few years ago. And I mean, which is just, which is just ridiculous in many, many ways. I mean, like how many of these stories are going to have to come up before people just get their shit together. But I guess if you, if this is just how you're built, you're just destined to keep, doing dumb things yeah i sincerely hope there's no one out there that's like ah you know it's just they're trying to get bailey it's just a false (laughs) accusation like no one's trying to get the goddamn lion dude all right let's come on this isn't mike tyson like the lion is not the problem (laughs) right the problem is the man inside the lion who is also the director of all in-game entertainment which puts him in a position of some strange power again i'm talking i'm speaking of a a powerful man lion here but basically this guy gets to recruit the king's crew which as you would imagine when you're recruiting god women sorry to, they started right? to take like, a shower it, it, dude it feels just, just dirty filthy. it just feels filthy because you know that like of these are the two incidents that you know about this dude has probably done so many things that are completely inappropriate in the recruitment process and the work process with, you know, these men and women who are showing up to work and being asked to wear these outfits and do these things and pump up the crowd. And, and here's this guy being a deviant basically. Yeah. I, what I was trying to say the fact that I'm sorry, taking advantage of the fact that he's, he's in the mascots outfit. Like I, 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 it's weird for me to say that, but I'm serious. I think like in some weird way, he thinks like when he puts the mascot's outfit on, it's funny. It's you know, it's okay for you for the mascot to joke with you like that. Right. You know it's like I mean? camouflage. Yeah, no, I yeah. get it. It's like camouflage. It's like I know this is a weird kind of thing, but you know, in sports, like teammates tap each other on the butt, male teammates, and it's that equipment and the setting that makes you think this is fine whereas in you know outside of sports if you're an athlete i don't think you tap your buddies on the button you know you know what i mean like my point is certain situations make you feel like certain things are okay and if that what if the lion costume makes this guy think that that's okay then i don't know i don't know what to say to him man i really don't know he's got some he's got some significant issues and i think the the end result of this is going to be pretty obvious to everyone. He's not exactly he's, in a high demand. Yeah. He's not exactly in a high demand spot where he's irreplaceable as a man in a lion outfit. But more importantly, <laughs> he's once again brought bad publicity and bad press to the Kings who have been 
who have had no shortage of this, unfortunately, over the past several years. And now on top of it all, I'm not really sure how you well, one, how do you keep the King's crew going after something like this? Okay. I think it's such a significant black eye on it that I wouldn't be surprised if they just scrapped the whole King's crew in general, rather maybe, than maybe shelf it for a while. I don't something, know. Something, but at maybe. the very least you can't bring the mascot back, even though it's the guy inside the mascot. Uh, He's that I agree the with. actual <clears throat> idea of the mascot. I agree. Which, mind you, is named after a King's executive who lost his life in 9-11. Yes. And now you're going to get – you have to because otherwise it's just – it's now forever attached Listen, to the mascot. The point is when people talk about this incident, no one says the name of the guy. Exactly. They, they say – Bailey. Bailey. And – Oh, look, first and foremost, the most horrible aspect of this is what happened to those people. 100%. Period. The second most horrible aspect of this is that the mascot Bailey <clears throat> or the lion character Bailey suffers because of the guy inside of him. I know this is just some crazy things we're talking about right here, a crazy sentence to say, but yeah, I think you're right, man. I think you can bring Bailey back. You gotta or show you gotta shelf Bailey for a while too, but I don't think you could bring him back. Period. No. If, if this can't. thing, if this thing, you know, if if they end up firing the guy, which I think they will, <clears throat> right now he's just suspended. But and Bailey was a great mascot, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the character or wh- whatever you want to call it had become the concept of the Bailey. concept of Bailey, and just you know, for all the horrible things the dude inside did, he also did some things to really give that character some dimension to give it like a standalone i don't know i don't know what to call it but but it, ma- it made him a memorable character you know what i mean right. um one of probably the most well-known mascots in the nhl but i think that's all gone unfortunately yeah. because of more stupidity right. which uh, apparently we can't get enough of in 2020 yeah no shortage of it yeah. no shortage <sighs> okay Let's move I'm going to try to finish this Finish this on a high note. Episode number 58. I, I, there's no way I know anybody. The good news is you only have to know one body. <laughs> I'm not going to know it. Because right. no self-respecting player <laughs> would wear this number. You're probably right. <laughs> but someone did. Someone did. Give me the year. Oh, the bad years too. 2002 to 2003. Great. Just great. Uh, Six games. Have you heard of this guy? Never. <laughs> then I don't I'm know. I'm not even sure this is a real name. <laughs> I don't know, bro. Derek Becker. I remember a Derek Becker. I couldn't tell you what he looks like. I couldn't tell you his number, but. B-E-K-A-R? Yes, I remember that name. Yeah, I'll tell you what his number was. It was 58. Oh, great. But I guess, yeah. Um, But that's it. I mean, that's kind of reassuring, though, isn't it? Like, there was no one else. There was no one else saddled with this random number. I'm sorry. uh, I blame the people who wear that number (laughs) and not the organization for saddling them with it, unless they're a rookie. I guess he could have been. Becker could have been a rookie. He he wasn't, but I mean, I guess by NHL standards, he would be because he only had one game prior. But 
this is such a this is such like a king's thing too, right? Like so, this guy played one game at age twenty four in ninety nine two thousand with St. Louis, and then oh, nothing on the NHL level until the Kings decide that he needs to play six games in two thousand two and two thousand three, a full three years later. Okay, and then he gets four more games the following year with the Islanders. I mean. This is the, it just goes to show you the decision making that was being utilized in 2002 to 2003. <laughs> that, like, not one, not like a plug, but like, we're going to give this guy six games <laughs> to really make sure we're not missing something here on old Derek Becker. Um, can I make a suggestion? I know you are the gatekeeper of the whose episode it is. Yes. Can we make this the Dale Howardchuck episode instead of 100% this guy's episode? Dale Howardchuck passed away a couple of days ago, uh, battling cancer. Um, we, you know, we're not old enough to truly appreciate what he did, but I'm also, I was also old enough in the eighties to, to have enough memories of him. Probably one of the most underrated players in NHL history overshadowed in the eighties because they always ran into the Gretzky led Oilers. And it seemed like every time the Oilers would eliminate them. So they never really got their due in the playoffs, but sad, man. Uh, what a great, and he's player. also playing out in Winnipeg, like kind of yeah. away from the spotlight a bit. Yeah. Thank God for videotape. Thank God for highlights that he can pretty much live forever in that way. But it, it was pretty sad for me to hear it. Too young, quite honestly. I mean, that is, Terribly, terribly young. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, well, that's it. Dale Howarchuk episode. Yep. We'll be back for and 59. I suspect that number will not be fun for me either. <laughs> I've actually heard of the guy who has 59. Oh, so good. good. Maybe I'll get it. Yeah. I think I have, I have faith in you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys, for joining. Please subscribe. Please, please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Reviews, always good. Twitter act, Twitter interaction, Twitter action, Twitter, Twitter action. interaction is is always appreciated. Um, it's again, it's a weird year, weird playoffs. More weird things will happen before it's all said and done. But we're going to keep trying to record these episodes every every couple of weeks if we can, and just uh, find a way to engage with the community as much as possible. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.